0: If you have your Bibles for a little while tonight, let's turn to the Old Testament, the book of Hosea. He is the beginning of what is known as the Minor Prophets. But never allow that word minor to uh, leave you with the idea that their message was not major. Uh, One of the greatest uh, words that you will find is from the book of Habakkuk. And I read that story again today, and I was thrilled again at how Habakkuk was able to process the problem and wind up at praise. I I want to do that. Amen. I want to be able to pass through the problem. I don't want to get stuck in my problem, but ultimately I want to be able to lift my hands and say, if the fig doesn't produce and if there's no herd in the stall, yet I will shout aloud and I will dance about. Amen. I'll rejoice in the God of my salvation. Praise God. I will. I found this much out about life. A lot of people get messed up because of a lack of intention. Not attention, but intention. Lack of purpose and I just, I've made it my goal to let I will become a part of my vocabulary more than I can't. Amen. I will. I will overcome this. I will rise above this. I will defeat this. Hosea chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 14 down. Uh, I. If the time would permit, you could read to the end of the chapter, verse 23. But in those ten verses, there's something powerful that is revealed about God's divine purpose and his love for people, for his people. And in Hosea, uh, the second chapter, we'll begin reading with verse number 14. You know it, I'm certain. You probably have read it before, but let's revisit it tonight. He said, therefore, behold, God speaking, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness. Speaking of Hosea's wife, which was a type of Israel that was in a terrible place at this time. He said, I will bring her into the wilderness. And I will speak comfortably unto her. Or one translation says, I will speak personally to her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence, from that place, from that wilderness. And he said, and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, and as in the day in which she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishii, and shalt call me no more Bali, For I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, and they shall no more be remembered by their name. And you go on to read and you'll hear many other things that God promises that he will do for these people. I want to go back to verse number 15, and I want to, in particular, draw your attention to the middle part of the verse where even though he does not say, I will, it is inferred from the beginning of the verse but he said, I will give the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So many times when I come to the word of God and I, I'm, I'm trying to grasp what the Lord is speaking to me so I can pass it along to you, I fail to uh, get hold of it, if that's a proper way of putting it. And I feel woefully inadequate when it comes to uh, trying to open your eyes to what the Word of God is saying. But I want to draw your attention to the book of Hosea for a few moments tonight and perhaps help someone uh, in your spiritual journey. Uh, this was not the best of times for Israel uh, as a matter of fact they were in a very embarrassing situation their life their relationship to god uh, it was in a deplorable condition they uh, they were unfaithful they had turned their back on God and they had uh, forsaken his law and his way and they had I hate to use the term, but it is the term that even the scripture indicates that they had prostituted themselves to other gods and they had given themselves. And so God raises up a man by the name of Hosea to come as a messenger for them during this very difficult and troubling time. And he uses Hosea's life as a parallel to his dealing with Israel and the Lord commands him to marry this woman and uh, he does that and then after marrying her she leaves him and goes back to the street and becomes a harlot and, and uh, breaks his heart and God begins to speak to him and draw the parallel between what God's people had done to him and what this woman was doing to Hosea. And so it began this long journey, and you would have to read several more chapters to get the understanding of what all that Hosea went through. The many times that he would bring her home and she would stay for a short period of time and then. She would slip away back to that vulgar lifestyle. And God would tell him to go get her and bring her home. And so it was a parallel of the way in which God had so often tried to reach out to Israel. And I think perhaps the most important message that God was trying to get through to them was that no matter what their failure was, their failure did not turn God's love toward them and their missteps and their shortcomings did not change the way God felt about his people I am thankful that God is that way that my failures do not change the way he feels toward me amen aren't you glad of that tonight Aren't you glad that God does not do as man does? And you know, you do it to me once, uh, that's, that's just life. If you do it to me twice, that's my fault. And you'll never do it to me again. And yet God over and over and over and over and over had gone back to draw Israel when they were in the most wicked condition and they were in the most vile uh, life, and they were so foreign and so removed from where they should have been as God's people. And so the whole story of Hosea is a love story, a story of love that is uh, turned away from and betrayed, and yet It just persists, and it keeps going, and it keeps loving, and it keeps reaching. And I am thankful for the same God that works in my life tonight. Amen. The songwriter was right. He don't give up easy. He's not the quitting kind. And I am thankful that in my own life, when there were episodes in my life that could have certainly marked the end of my life, And have put an anathema over my life. It could have marked me with the scarlet letter. God somehow through his mercy and his grace and his love. Allowed me the opportunity. And gave me the privilege of finding restoration and renewal. I am ever grateful for a God who is of great compassion. And his Mercies and grace, they fail not, but they are new every morning. I love that verse. His faithfulness is new every morning. That means no matter what today may say of me, tomorrow is going to be a day that is filled with fresh opportunity and mercy that God has toward me and my life. When I begin to look at Hosea, Chapter 2, there was a portion of that scripture that just, it leapt out at me and I could not get away from it. And that was his statement about the Lord taking the, the Valley of Achor and making it a doorway of hope or a door of hope. And I thought in my own mind and my own understanding of what that place represented that it was anything but that. It was anything but that. And yet God had given it a new name. And so I started looking at this chapter and I was amazed at the number of times that in this scripture, in this verse, this chapter alone, you can You can go through the entire Bible, but in this chapter alone, there are between 20 and 30 times in this chapter that God reveals the many things that he was willing to do for his people to restore them and bring them back to that place where they ought to be. And it is a revealing chapter. It is. It is one of the most amazing chapters in the whole Bible as far as I'm concerned, especially after considering all that God promised that he would do. But in this small uh, thumbnail sketch of scripture, we read over and over and over again of them who had lost their way and yet God said, I will help you find it back I, I will endeavor to bring you back to the place that you need to be and as we read over these verses we are lost in the wonder of what God is prepared to do for us even in our failures that is amazing to me you know, and it's been strange, but in my years of pastoring, one of the most difficult things that I've ever encountered is convincing people of how much God does love them. I, I don't know, but I I I think perhaps part of it is because of our our condemnation of ourself and and knowing that we should have done better or we should have Stood the test and yet we fail and and yet in spite of their spiritual condition and in spite of where they were at that moment. God over and over and over reveals the wonder of his love for these people and what he is willing to do to help them. I am overwhelmed by the grace of God tonight. That those who have wandered from him and those who have failed, in spite of their spiritual condition, God was still reaching for them and God was still willing to work in their behalf. I am moved by God's willingness to help the most undeserving people in, in life. And how often I fall into that category how undeserving I am I ought to know better I shouldn't have said that I shouldn't have done that I I shouldn't have missed that step but I did and in that moment of life God comes to remind me of how much I mean to him and how much he loves me and so here in this text God begins to reveal to Hosea the deep love that he still cherished toward his people and and he showed him his willingness to help them that God is a helping God. He is not a hurting God. He is a God of care. He is a God of compassion and he wants to help you transform your failure into something other than a failure and to take a moment in your life that you are not proud of but transform it into a doorway that will lead to something better in the future. What an awesome God we serve. One of the hardest things to do is to convince people that God's willing to help them in their situation. God wanted to help them and he wanted them to know that there was nothing that was too hard for him. And they had not gone too far for him to help them and in the midst of all that god said that he would do he said i will i will i will i will 20 to 30 times depending on how you interpret the scripture but in 10 verses 20 to 30 times in 10 verses god said i will i will now i'm not real smart but i'm smart enough to know That if somebody says that much to me that often, then evidently I need to sit up and pay attention because there's something to what they're having to say. And so it was with Hosea. Hosea, I know you're looking at external circumstances and you are looking at the way they are now, but you are not looking at them the way I see them. I'm glad that God does not look at us the way we see each other. Amen. And so God reminded him of what he was willing to do. I will, I will allure her and I will bring her into the wilderness. What a strange word to use for someone who had been so unfaithful and untrue. But it is a word of endearment. It is a word of tenderness. It was not a mean or vicious word. It was not God with a sledgehammer saying, "Okay, come on, we got to take a trip to the to, to to the woodshed because I need to teach you some things about your life and your failure." But He said, "I'm going to allure you." It it leaves the impression of someone who is wooing another person and 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 if you uh, you understand the context of that it simply seems to uh, mean that god was either overlooking or ignoring what they were doing or what they were and he was not doing anything of that nature he was just letting his love for his people speak to him i will allure her and i will i will bring her into the wilderness and i will speak personally to her In that situation. And he said. And I will give her vineyards in that place. I will cause her to be fruitful again. I will cause her to flourish again. Her life has been barren and void. Of anything worthwhile and meaningful. But God said. I'm going to cause her to be able to produce fruit again. There's going to be a purpose in her life. And then he said. I'm going to give her a door of hope. In the valley of Achor. And man when he said that it was like somebody took a sledgehammer. And drove a 16 penny nail right through their heart. Because all Israel knew what Achor was. Achor was the valley outside of Jericho. Between Jericho and Ai where Israel had found themselves many, many years before. On their way into the promised land. They had made their journey through the wilderness. They had come to the city of Jericho. And without being properly arrayed for battle. And without having the proper equipment for war. God gave them a simple thing to do. March around the walls of Jericho seven times. And on the seventh day march seven times. And when you get to that seventh time. Lift up your voice and shout. And God said I will take care of the rest. And so Israel did just that, and when they shouted unto the Lord, the walls fell down, and they went in and took the city of Jericho, and that was the beginning. They were so intoxicated on that victory, they did like a lot of other people do. When you've had a great victory, they forgot to pray about the next thing coming up, and so they move a little further into the promised land to this little community called Ai. Ai. And they sent out spies and they saw it was a small place. It doesn't take a lot. We don't even need to worry God over this. We've got this covered. We can handle this. And so they march off to Ai and they, they are utterly defeated by this inferior people. And they were not only embarrassed and humiliated, but they were all of a sudden fearful. If this small community of people can overcome us, what does that say about the rest of our journey? And then it was revealed to them, the reason for your failure is because there's sin in the camp. And lo and behold, when it all came to be known, Achan, in a moment of of carnality... In a moment of fleshly lust and desire had taken something that God had forbid him to have. And that was the spoil of Jericho because Jericho belonged to God. It is a type of the tithe. It is a type of what you owe God and I owe God. And, And Achan, he didn't think anybody would know anything about it. And so he took what had been... Promised and set aside for God, this was god 's spoil. this was Israel saying to God that our victory in this land is going to be through you and by you, and Jericho belongs to God, and Achan took the forbidden things and hid them in his a wedge of gold and a Babylonian garment and and judgment came because he partook of what was not for him to partake of. It's a dangerous thing to hold on to what God's in your life. Amen. Did you hear me? It's a dangerous thing to hold on to what's God's in your life. And so judgment. And from that moment on, that valley, the the memory of that horrible embarrassment was so etched in their mind that they would never forget what happened that day. They passed it along to their children. Although they had been confident and sure of themselves. Now Akor stood symbolically in their mind. As the most embarrassing defeat that they had ever suffered. Israel was now in a place of embarrassment and despair. And Acor represented in their mind the most utter place of disgrace you could imagine. Hosea in, in the Hebrew, he literally translates it a dale of trouble. A dale of trouble. That's what Acor was. It was a time of embarrassment. It was a place of humiliation. It was a great disaster. And it marked their life forever, for years to come. They passed it along until where it became a byword. The valley of Achor was a valley that spoke of the disgrace and the shame and the embarrassment of failure. And it reminded them of their shortcomings. It reminded them of their failures. It reminded them of how they had been so humiliated and embarrassed in their life. And all of these years it had hung over their head like a heavy cloud and a, a dark mist until finally God said, you know what, enough of that. Amen. Enough of that. And God speaks to Hosea and said, I want you to tell them what I'm going to do for them. I'm going to take that valley of Achor, I'm going to take that place of embarrassment and shame and humiliation, and I'm going to transform it into a door. I'm going to give them the opportunity to pass beyond that so they will never have to come back and look at this place in the same way ever again. They will never have to come back here with their head tucked and worried about whether God loved them or God cared. I want to give them something today that will move them into a new dimension of relationship with me so that their life is no longer defined by their failure. But it is defined by my power You say brother Hughes why are you preaching like this tonight I don't know other than to say that we let a lot of things define our life And more often than not the things that define us are our failures The things where we come short Where we fail, where we are embarrassed and we're humiliated and and we're disgraced and we wish that we could go back but we can and really all we'd like to do is just forget it And god said no i'm tired of you doing that i'm tired of you living that way i'm tired of you living with that thing hanging over your head it's time for a transformation it's time for you to understand That as far as God is concerned, this place should no longer be a burden to you, but it should become a place of blessing to you. That in this place where you failed, you can take that. And let God transform your failure and now it becomes a doorway. It ushers you into a new kind of relationship with God. And my, what God revealed to them, it is so mind-boggling. I don't even know how to describe it to you from what God began to speak to them, what he wanted to do for them in that place of embarrassment. And I believe God wants to do the same for you and I tonight. Because too many of us are letting something that happened maybe yesterday or maybe a long time ago still define who we are. It's amazing how that works. Something that we failed in, something that we came short in, we still have, it still has its influence over us. You know, when we pray, as much as we try to get beyond it, there's always a part of our flesh that wants to remind us of, of, of where we came short and how we messed up and remind us of our weaknesses and our frailties and our faults and, and so we go through life with this this feeling of, of insecurity many times and a, a feeling of, of, I'm just not sure. I, I think God loves me and I I think God wants to help me, but I'm not sure of it. And God wanted to smash that kind of thinking. He wanted to destroy that kind of mind. He wanted him to know, yes, listen to me. I'm going to tell you all the things that I will do for you. I will give you a doorway. I will give you this. I will bring you here. I will do this for you. God was trying to say to them, that mind that has governed you and it has affected you and your relationship with me has got to be changed and transformed. Amen. Oh my, I wish I could preach what I feel in my heart right now. And in the hour of her extreme distress, God came with an encouragement and reminded them that He was going to give them an opportunity to reverse a failure and reverse something in their life. And from the very worst spot in their history, perhaps, in some minds, perhaps the worst spot in their life, God was going to give them an opportunity to transition into a new mind and a new relationship with him and they would never ever look at that place the same they would never it would never have the influence over them from this point forward as it had up to this point and God sent me tonight to tell somebody that there are things in your life that you have allowed to affect you in your walk with God and your relationship with God. You can only get so close. You can only come so near. And then there is that ugly reminder of what you were or what you did or where you failed or what you said or all of those things that are lingering in the background. And when we come to that place, we shiver and we we walk through it carefully because it's too much of a reminder of our own human weakness. And God said, enough of that, enough of that. that. There's no need for you to live like that anymore. I want to do something for you that will help erase that from your mind. I want to help you get that out of your thinking and understand how much I care and how much I want to help you and give you the things that I have planned for you amen praise God and so he begins to talk to them about what he's going to do and give them a door a door is to me uh, it, it is a transition place it is moving from one room to another room but more than anything else when I come to a door I think of opportunity I I think that there's something on the other side that can be mine if I'm willing to pass through it. Now I can stand before that door and I can hesitate at the door and I can look at the door. But when I take my hand and I reach out and I open that door, I many times find that what is on the other side is greater than I could even imagine. And that's just the way God is. What he's doing for me now is nothing compared to what he wants to do for me. And if I will understand that in my most embarrassing place and the most embarrassing moment of my life, that God wants to take that and use it to become an opportunity that will bring me into a new kind of relationship with him. Amen. One of the great revelations, and I'm jumping Ahead in my thoughts. But I can't help it. One of the great revelations. That God said he wanted to give them. Was found in verse number 16. And he said. And it shall be at that day. Saith the Lord. That thou shalt call me Ishii. And shalt call me no more Baalai." Now that sounds strange to you and I. But they understood what it meant. Balei meant Master. Master. As a servant to a master. And they had lived in their relationship with God in that way. They had lived for him, but sometimes they had lived for him begrudgingly, or they had lived for him out of fear. They had lived for him out of dread of what he would do if they stepped out of line. And so all of their life, everything that they had done had been built upon a relationship of fear. Oh, they didn't miss church. They wouldn't backslide because they were afraid to backslide. They they were they were not gonna miss church for anything but they really didn't know the kind of God that they were serving they thought he was one to be feared and tremble at and and one to walk around very carefully and and you've got to be you've got to be cautious as a servant would with a master but God said I want to transform your relationship I want to transform your mind so that the way you look at me and the way you feel toward me is not one of fear but one of love and he said I want you I'm going to do a work in your life and I'm going to transform what you call me you're not going to call me master anymore but you're going to call me ishii which means husband a relationship of of, of love and compassion and mercy God said that's what I want to do to your mind I want to transform the way you think about me I don't want you to serve me just out of fear I want you to serve me because you love me i want you to love me because of what i do for you and i want you to understand that that's the way i feel about you and it's amazing how many people live for god out of fear they're terrified if they don't do this or they don't do that they're going to go to hell and you may i'm not saying don't live like that you may but that's a terrible way to live you know, my wife and I have been married for 40-something years. 43? No, you're not even going to give me enough. 41. Oh, it seems like 43. <laughs> no, when you're having fun, man, it just time flies. I've been telling people we've been married longer than that, honey. Maybe I just feel like I have been. We have a marriage certificate, believe it or not. They had them back then. (laughs) Certified by the state of Texas. And it is on file in the state of Texas. But I have not built my relationship with her based on that sheet of paper. It's not, I'm doing this because... I do it because of something much deeper and much more important because I love her. And the sad thing is there's a lot of people that have some kind of relationship with God but it's not the kind that He wants them to have. They serve Him but they serve Him out of obligation or they serve Him out of fear or it's like a marriage certificate. Well, you know, I'm married. It proves that I am. If that's... The only thing that proves that I am married, I have missed something along the way, and there 's a lot of folks that come to God that they come because somebody preached about hell or somebody preached about judgment or somebody preached about some of the other things that scare us and 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 we we come and we try to live for God with this fear thing in our mind and that Fear is not a bad thing to have, but that's not the way God wants me to relate to him. And Israel had related to him like a servant to a master. Oh, they were thankful. they They were blessed. But that's not the way God wanted them to feel toward him. He wanted there to be a relationship like a husband and a wife and a love. That you do it because you love me, not because you have to. You do it because you love me, not because if you don't do it, something will happen. And he said, I'm going to give you an opportunity in this veil of embarrassment, this place of humiliation. To transform something in your life I'm going to give you a door That will bring you into a new Relationship with me It's going to bring you into a new understanding Of who I am and what I want to be in your life I don't want to be somebody you just call on On Sunday and that you Worship on Wednesday night I want to be somebody that you wake up with In the morning and on Saturday Morning I'm still with you I want to be the kind of Relationship that no matter where the day takes you, you know that I'm there with you, always walking with you, always a part of your life. Amen. The promise of a way, a door, it didn't look like that, but God said, I can take it and make it work. The worst place in your life, God can give you the greatest victory and a transition in your thinking and in your mind to where. You will no longer look at Him the way you used to look at Him, but you grow up in Him. Amen. Growing up in Him. With God, there's that love that is beyond comprehension, but sometimes we fail to see that because of the legislation, of the law, and and all of the things that we're supposed to do and and so a lot of people live their life regulated by what they can do and by what they can't do. And I, I'm here to tell you tonight that my wife does not love me because I have to do those things. She loved me because I love to do those things. There is a vast difference. And for Israel it had become like a servant to a master. God said, that's not the way I want you to feel toward me. That's not the way I want you to think about me. I want to be like a husband. I want you to think of me in those terms of endearment. And so God said, I'm going to give you a a, a door of opportunity. I'm going to give you a place of transition. Where you can grow up in me You can mature in me And I feel like God's trying to do that For some folks in this church Whatever your relationship with God Has been God's trying to mature you And bring you to a higher level Of relationship and understanding So that you love him With a deeper love And you work with him And you walk with him As in a relationship of a husband To a wife or a wife to a husband That there's something so deep that nothing can shake it and for God's people that's what they needed was a transition from one way of life to another from failure to victory and God said it doesn't matter how ruined your life might be at the moment it can be repaired and it doesn't matter how things may look reversals can be reversed failures can be overcome Sad records can be erased erased and rewritten. And God promised that he would make a doorway out of a dale of embarrassment and a dale of doom. Failure to fortune and troubles to success and light would take the place of darkness. And in the end, God would be glorified. And so for Israel, it was a moment of revelation. It was a moment of, of, of transition, of coming to grips with who they were and what God wanted them to be and what, what God had planned for them. They would never enjoy it as long as they kept living like they were living. It would always be this stiff-arm relationship. And God said, that's not how I want To know you. And that's not how I want you to know me. I want there to be a closeness and a a bond of love like a husband and a wife. Amen. And so that door became an opportunity. It was an opportunity for peace. He said, I will allure her. I will speak to her comfortably. That was something that they had not heard much of as, as, as a prostitute on the street gomer had not heard very many kind and tender words she had been bought for the cheapest price and she had sold her life to the lowest bidder and now she was hearing a voice that was speaking tenderly to her and wooing her and wanting to do good things to her and God said that's what that doorway represents it represents moving into a relationship of peace with me that passeth all understanding it's moving into a relationship Where when I speak, you do not fear when I speak, but you move when I speak because you understand the love that is behind those words. Amen. He said, I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to give you a song. I'm going to help you sing again. Life had taken their song away from them, but in that place, in that wilderness, God was going to give the song back if they just walk through that door. And I don't know, God, sometimes I'm not fully aware of all that God has in mind when he gives me something to preach. But I am here to tell you that God is offering an opportunity for some folks here in this church to move into a new dimension of joy in your life, that life has taken your song away. You You don't look very happy even though you're a child of God, sometimes what's on your faith is anything but joy. But God said, if, if you'll let me, I want to move you through a door and transition you into a place of joy. And I want to put the song back in your heart. Amen. Life has taken away not only your song, but it has stripped you of all of your meaning and purpose and Your life has been unfruitful and barren. God said, I'm going to bring you into this place and I'm going to cause you to produce again. I'm going to cause your life to flourish. I'm going to give you fruit in the most unlikely place in a wilderness, in this God forsaken place. And he said, there's going to be a deeper knowledge of me. You're going to know me not as a master, but as a husband. And there's going to be a new power. You're going to hear me. And and I'm going to hear you. And, And there's going to be a relationship that begins to work. That when you call, I'm not only going to take what you say to me, but I'm going to cause everything else to hear what you're saying. And I thought this was amazing. It may not do anything for you, but when I was reading this again... If this is what he said in in verse number 21 and he said it shall come to pass in that day that I will hear saith the Lord I will hear the heavens and they shall hear the earth. There's a chain reaction that starts here. That when you move through this door of relationship and you you come into this place of boldness and, and confidence in living for God. God said that when you ask something, I'm going to hear it. And heaven's going to hear it. And earth is going to hear. And the earth shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil. And they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth. And I will have mercy upon her. That had not obtained mercy and I will say to them which were not my people thou art my people and they shall say thou art my God. What a transition took place through a doorway of, of opportunity. And I believe that what God's been doing for this church over the last few months has been a door. I don't know how else to describe it. I believe this church has become a doorway for some folks to move into a deeper relationship with God. Don't be satisfied. Don't just stand there and look at the door and wonder what's on the other side. Why don't you go ahead and take God at His word and say, you know what? There's a deeper relationship with me, with Him beyond. There's something richer beyond that door. There's something greater for my life beyond that door. I don't have to keep living Defined by what I was. I can move into a relationship of what I shall be and what God has declared that I will be. I will call myself something that I've never been able to call myself before. I'll call myself His people. Amen. Let's stand together. God help us tonight. The door that's been opened, a doorway of possibility and privilege. A doorway that leads to great blessing and great mercy. And all you've got to do is just go through it. Just walk through it. There's a deeper walk. There's a deeper relationship. God mentioned in the latter part of this chapter that he said, I would make a new covenant. I will make a new agreement with you. I'm going to bring you back into an understanding of who you are and what I have called you to be. It's just beyond the door. Amen. What, what's the song? Beyond the open door is a new and fresh anointing. Beyond the open door, there's something that awaits me. There's, there's a blessing. There's a removal of a stigma from my life. There's... There's this removal of my this failure that has marked me and this place that I keep coming back to in my life. It didn't matter where you went at some point or other in Israel. You were going to have to go through the valley of Achor. Yet God said, I'm going to do something for you if you'll let me. I will if you'll let me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to bring you to a door. I'm going to give you an opportunity to transition into a new relationship. Oh God, help us tonight to make that move. Help us, God, to not hesitate before that door, that opportunity to move into a new relationship with him, to move into a deeper understanding of him. His love for me, his compassion for me, his care for me, what he has purpose for me, what he has planned for me. Just beyond the open door. Anybody here hungry to go a little deeper? Amen. Is there anybody here tonight that's hungry to go a little deeper? Anybody here that's desirous to draw a little closer to Him? Amen. Amen. Would you just—I I know we don't usually do this on Wednesday night, but I want us—if you—if you really hunger to go a little deeper. And you feel like God's been talking to you. And there's some things in your life that you'd like to lay down or, or, or lay aside or overcome. Why don't you just slip out and come and stand here with me at this altar at the end of this service. Amen. Beyond the open door, there's a new and fresh anointing. Amen. Amen.